John MacArthur in one of his books talks about a little girl who came home from Sunday school one morning and uh, she was waving a paper triumphantly, you know, really want mom to see it. And uh, she said, Mommy, my teacher says I drew the most unusual Christmas picture she has ever seen. Well, the mom texts and she studies the picture for a moment and she concluded it was indeed a very peculiar Christmas picture. And the mother said, well, this is wonderfully drawn, but why have you made all these people riding on the back of an airplane? And the little girl was in a tone of disappointment, said, well, it's the flight into Egypt. And uh, the mother says, oh, well, who is this mean looking man at the front of the plane? Well, that's Pontius the pilot, the little girl said very (laughs) impatiently. She said, "Okay, I see that. And and here you have Mary and, and Joseph and the baby. And she looked at the picture very cautiously and got the courage up to ask the, the next question. She said, well, who is this fat man sitting behind Mary? And the little girl just sighed and said, can't you tell? That's round John Virgin. And... Uh, <laughs> Some people get mixed up when it comes to Christmas time and this whole Christmas thing and and why we celebrate Christmas. And by the way, don't answer out loud, but why do we celebrate Christmas in the first place? And and what are we celebrating? Is it more than just eggnog and and presents and some time off from work and, and eating all the Christmas cookies and sweets? Or is there more to this whole celebration that we have? Well, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the the answer is obvious. You know why we celebrate. And if you are here today and you don't know, the answers and I'm glad you're here and I hope you'll listen very carefully for the next few minutes as we uh, journey to Bethlehem. We're starting a brand new series this morning and we'll be looking at this uh, uh, theme throughout the month of December, Journey to Bethlehem, and we'll conclude the series on Christmas morning uh, here together. Uh, This morning, the question is this as we journey to Bethlehem, why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? Well, because, as Ralph Sockman once said, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. Think about that. What a statement. What a claim. The hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. You know what? I think he's right. We begin our journey to Bethlehem this morning in the Old Testament book of Micah. The Old Testament book of Micah, if you'd like to be turning there. Micah chapter 5. And Micah is perhaps a book you've not uh, turned to very often. Uh, Maybe one of the books you you haven't read in a while. Well, let's look at the verse in Micah chapter 5, verse number 2 today as we begin our journey to Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, and I'll read verse 2. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. The Bible says, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah... Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from the old, from everlasting. Let's read it again. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. You know, the birth of the Savior, the birth of the Messiah was foretold a long time before that night in Bethlehem. 
In fact, the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Perhaps you remember Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Long before the event happened, it was foretold, it was prophesied. And here in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, we find the exact location is prophesied. Exactly where this was going to take place. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forths are from of old, from everlasting. We're dealing, of course, this morning with Old Testament prophecy. 700 years before the Lord Jesus was born and laid in that manger, Micah prophesied it would take place in Bethlehem, Ephrata. How remarkable. Now think about all that would take place in 700 years time. Think about that. 700 years. We can hardly get our arms wrapped around that much time. To pinpoint exactly where a baby would be born 700 years prior to his birth. Old J. Bernie McGee pointed out that that little donkey on which Mary Road had stumbled and Mary had fallen, Jesus would probably have been born en route. But I say this very carefully, McGee says, that little donkey could not have stumbled because 700 years earlier, Micah had written about the fact he's going to be born in Bethlehem. The little donkey got there, got her there on schedule. It was time from eternity. It was more punctual and precise than any jet plane could be in our own day. What a mighty God we serve. 700 years before, he says, there'll be a birth. In Bethlehem, Africa. Why Bethlehem? Because God chose it. God chose it. And he chose it before the event ever took place. Now let's think about Bethlehem for a moment. I'm just curious. Anyone here ever been to Bethlehem? You've been to the Holy Land. You've been to Bethlehem. I see two. Anybody else? All right. I see another. Good. Good. You can really appreciate what we're talking about today. Micah is very precise here. He says Bethlehem, Africa. Now there were two Bethlehems. So he's exacting what he's saying. There's no confusion here. Bethlehem, Ephrata. Bethlehem, beloved, means house of bread. House of bread. You know what Lord Jesus would later say in John chapter 6, verse 48? Jesus would say, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 6, verse 51, he said, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Think about that. The bread of life was born in the house of bread. Bethlehem, Ephrata. Ephrata means fruitfulness. And I want you to think about all the fruit that has come from what happened there so long ago. Bethlehem is a familiar place in the Bible. If you were to go to Easton's Bible Dictionary and look up Bethlehem, here's some of what you would read. It is first noticed in Scripture as the place where Rachel died and was buried by the wayside directly to the north of the city. Genesis chapter 48, verse 7. The valley to the east was the scene of the story of Ruth, the Moabitess. And we studied Ruth and her, 
her account here. There are the fields in which she gleaned and the path by which she and Naomi returned to the town. Here was David's birthplace. And here also in after years, he was anointed as king by Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It was from the well of Bethlehem that three of his heroes brought water to him at the risk of their own lives when he was in the cave of Adullam in 2 Samuel chapter 23. And it was here, beloved, where the Messiah would be born and indeed was born. Bethlehem is a very familiar place in the Bible, the house of bread. But notice what it says here in Micah chapter Five, verse two. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah. Now, what's he saying? Well, as far as towns go, Bethlehem wasn't that great. It wasn't something you'd write home about. Uh, but God chose it. And it was of the, the tribe of Judah. Listen to what was said to Judah in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of all the people. Talking about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom Micah is talking about here. The one to be ruler in Israel would come and be born in Bethlehem of Judah. You see, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 is all about prophecy. But it's also about the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says there. Out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. Isaiah again said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. You see, that's what Christmas is all about. Emmanuel, God with us. So think about it. God in the flesh. There in that stable, God was brought forth in flesh. Now, think about that. We sing a Christmas hymn. The words goes like this. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. You see, we think about prophecy, we think about the humanity of Jesus, but also Micah is referring, of course, here to the deity of Jesus. Look at the last part of Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now listen, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a food trough, in a manger. But that was not the beginning of Jesus. You see, Jesus is God. He existed in all eternity past prior to taking upon himself flesh. If you go back to that hymn again and you put the whole verse together, you add the first part. Here's what it says. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come. Offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. So you see we're talking about prophecy. We're talking about the humanity of Jesus. We're talking about the deity of Jesus. But there's another truth here. And that is the humility of Jesus. Just for God, the Lord Jesus, to take upon himself human flesh and humble himself. But then look at it further, beloved. Here he is, King of kings and Lord of lords. And is he born in Jerusalem? Is he born in a palace? Is he born as a prince and a king to, to the 
people there? Do they laud him and celebrate the birth of the king? No, he's brought forth to Mary and Joseph in dirty old stable and placed in an animal's food trough. Think about your little precious baby and those that are around the congregation. You imagine putting that baby in a food trough for an animal? First time parents won't even let it near an animal, much less at a food trough. <laughs> but here he is, God of the flesh, brought forth there the humility of Jesus. You see, Micah chapter 5, verse 2 deals with prophecy, where he would be born. It deals with his humanity. He would come forth in flesh. It deals with his deity. His going forth had been of old. It deals with his humility, his eternality. Why Bethlehem? Well, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. But there's another reason. There's another reason. Why Bethlehem? Listen, because of you and me. Because of you and me. Luke chapter 2 says it this way. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You see, in Bethlehem, God gave us the most glorious gift. He gave us the Lord Jesus. The Gospel of John later recorded, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why Bethlehem? Because we needed a substitute. We needed a perfect human to die in our place and pay for our sin. Now, that perfect human was also perfect God, perfect God. Perfect humanity joined in flesh. We call that the incarnation, if you want to get real technical about it. That's the big word, but all it means is this. Jesus, who is God, became man without ceasing to be God. Jesus, who is God, became man without ceasing to be God. The incarnation. Why Bethlehem? Well, listen, there had to be a Bethlehem so that there could later be a Calvary. That's why there had to be a Bethlehem so there could later be a Calvary. You see, this this baby that was born to Mary and Joseph and we have them there and we picture the beautiful manger scenes and all that. Listen, he was born to die. We spoke about his humility a moment ago. He not only humbled himself in becoming a man dwelling among men. Taking upon himself flesh and living in such such circumstances. But he humbled himself even to the point of death. Voluntarily. Taking upon himself our sin. Taking our place. Dying for us. That we might live. You see, he was born to die. He was born in that little town of Bethlehem. We will sing it during the Christmas time. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming. Listen to the next part. But in this world of sin... 
Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. I wonder, have you done that? Have you received him in? Have you come to the place in your life where you recognize that you're a sinner, you're lost, you're undone, you cannot save yourself? You're destined for an eternity apart from God in a horrible place called hell. But because of Bethlehem, which led, of course, to Calvary and the grave and praise God to an empty tomb, there stands one in your place who says, come to me. All you are laden, labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Will you humble yourself today and come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you received Christ today? Have you turned from your sin to Christ? If not, why don't you receive the greatest gift that's ever been given? The free gift of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's not a cheap gift. It'll cost you. It doesn't cost you. It cost him. His life, his blood. He paid the price. But he says, hey, it's free if you'll receive it. If you'll receive me, take me as Lord and Savior. You see, I said a moment ago. The hinge of history. The hinge of history is on the door of a stable in Bethlehem. You know what? This morning, December 2011, your history could be changed forever. You may have entered this building as a lost, condemned sinner. Destined for hell. But if you'll place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your history will change forever. Because you'll leave here a redeemed, blood-bought child of God destined for an eternity with him in heaven. The choice is yours. Will you, as the hymn writer said, will you meekly humble yourself and receive the dear Christ as he enters in? Why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? Because he loved you. That's why. Would you receive him? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I appreciate your attention. Before I pray and we have our closing hymn invitation, I wonder today. Maybe you're here and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. Today, your history could change forever. Literally forever. You could spend eternity forever with the Lord if you'll turn from your sin to Christ today. Here's what we're going to do in a moment. I'm going to pray and we're going to close our service with a closing hymn. And as we do that, we're going to invite you to come. I'll be standing right here in front. I want you just to come to me and say, Preacher, I'd like to meet Jesus. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you with someone who will take a Bible and sit down with you and lead you to Jesus. That's as simple as it is. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to call you out and point at you. We're just putting forth an invitation today. If you need Jesus, would you come during this closing song? And we'll put you with someone who loves you and loves Jesus. And will be thrilled to introduce you to him. Father, I pray right now. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I pray your Holy Spirit work and move in the hearts of these dear people. I pray that if anybody here does not know Jesus Christ, that here this morning as we sing this closing hymn, they will step out and come and meet me here. 
And allow me to put them with someone who would lead them to Christ. Thank you, oh God, for Bethlehem. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you that you're coming again, Lord Jesus. We look forward to that day. Even so come. Work, I pray, O oh God, now in this invitation time. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be closing as our invitation song number 307, just as I am, without one flee. So that thy blood was shed for me. And as we stand and sing, I'll invite you to come. This sacred trial on you, Jesus. 307, as we stand and sing today, just as I am, 307. You come as we begin singing. 307, just as I am. Oh.